One of the gigs we when we were in here in New York, I we teamed up with the Rockettes and we took pictures of them sitting on me in different places <laughs> in the city. And you had to go to a website and guess where we were to win airline tickets. And so yeah, we were in front of Sardi's and I had a Rockette sitting on me and all these people taking pictures and they're like, Rory, are you okay? I was like, Okay, I'm fantastic. This is the best. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the No Name NYC podcast. My name is Eric Better. I am the host of the podcast and the creator of No Name and a Bag of Chips, New York City's longest running comedy variety show. What can I tell you? The voice you heard up front was that of Rory Scholl, a very funny gentleman, and we had a great conversation with him. I enjoyed talking with him, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Shows coming up, No Name shows. The first show I want to mention, if you're listening to this podcast on the day it was released, that would be August 1st. If you're listening to it in the earlier part of the day, you can still get to our show in the evening of August 1st. We have a no-name super story party co-hosted by the wonderful storyteller and author Michelle Carlo. We'll be doing that at the one and only Word Up Community Bookshop in beautiful Washington Heights. That's August 1st, 7 p.m. It is free. Among our guests that evening will be Adrienne Frost and today's guest, Rory Shaw. How coincidental. Hopefully you'll get this in time and be moved to come hang out and play with us. On Saturday, September 30th, we return to QED in Astoria. Uh, For those who were there or know anything about our, our last show, that was our first show at QED since pandemic, and that was amazing. The place was packed, and it was just such a great show and such great vibe. Can't wait to get back there, but we'll have to until September 30th. That's when we get back there and hope you guys can join us there. I'm going to be guest to the storytelling show at QED in Astoria, and that's a themed show. The theme is my first summer vacation. I'm actually going to be telling a story about my first summer vacation in 27 years. This was a few years ago, but I had had a long stretch where finances were bad and I just couldn't afford to go anywhere. And I eventually got my shit together and I went on my first summer vacation in 27 years. I'm such a New York guy and that that vacation was to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. First time in a vacation in a long while. That doesn't sound as romantic as, say, Paris, France or Milan, Italy. At least on paper, that doesn't sound so romantic. But I'm here to tell you that in reality... It really is nowhere near as romantic as Paris, France, or Milan, Italy. I went there to see somebody who was very dear to me, and I had fun exploring in the Midwest. I had never been to the Midwest in my life, and it, you know, there were similarities to uh, New York, and there were vast differences. I will say this. I went to a jazz festival there, an outdoor jazz festival. I love jazz. I was really excited, and the guest turned out to be a short blonde woman who played ukulele. And I, I guess the the big, the, she was good and, and, and the band was good, but just suffice to say that jazz in Milwaukee is different. Anyway, I hope you can make our storyteller shows first Tuesday of every month at Word Up Bookshop. Uh, we got a great conversation with Rory Scholl coming up. We'll get to that in a minute, but first, a word from our sponsor. Get away to Green Bay. That's right, the historic Astor House Bed and Breakfast in beautiful Green Bay, Wisconsin. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a bed and breakfast before, but the breakfast in a lot of these places tends to be like a mini box of cereal or uh, some questionable fruit, things of that nature, a piece of toast maybe with some butter. But not at the historic Astor House Bed and Breakfast. Your innkeepers, Tom and Linda Steber, will provide you with a delicious, absolutely world-class breakfast every single morning. They will also make you feel welcome in any one of their five luxury accommodations, all of which have a private bath and some of which have their own jacuzzi. If you want to know what's going on around town, Tom and Linda will let you know about any special events, and they'll also make recommendations for you to any of the wonderful restaurants in town. So you can't beat it. Go. Go now. Go. Get away to Green Bay. For more information or for reservations, go to www.astorhouse.com. That's A-S-T-O-R-H-O-U-S-E.com. Get away to Green Bay. I love that the, you're here. To, something I did not think about until I was on the way here. Uh, today is actually, as we were are recording this, uh, it's actually the first anniversary of the release of our first podcast episode. So uh, oh. you're here on the anniversary. So. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew that. I totally knew that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, don't let him leave here without dropping off a present to show respect. <laughs> so, uh, dude. On this I, the day of my daughter's podcast. All right. <laughs> I have to ask you, I, I, I was trying to think, um, like, could you, through the years uh, of doing our shows, you've done like a billion different things. I was trying to remember where did, I know... Where we first met you, it was through Lee Allen Barrett. Right. Yeah. Um, what's the first thing you ever did at a no-name our show, Pembroke friend, and Luke? friend. We know way too many magicians, by the way. I don't know how many magicians <laughs> you know, but I know too many magicians. Right? <laughs> Lee's a great magician, though. But uh, was the first thing I ever did at a no-name? Yeah, when you were part of Pembroke and Luke, right? Yeah. It wasn't the first thing I've ever performed no, was but I mean, with us. Oh, with you? Yes. The first thing. Yeah, the first thing was a Pembroke and Lou. Yeah, because yeah. I like I'm not even sure if I knew what your name was. Yeah. You know, at that point, it was just, uh, Lee said, uh, this "Buddy of mine, you know, a couple of people I know. They're really good. They're very funny. And uh, what's their names? Pembroke and Lou. Sure, they are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I try not to use my real name in performing. <laughs> I don't need that's, a, that's, I don't need a trail. That may be Eric. best. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right, well, first of all, it, you 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 are not a native New Yorker, right? No. Okay. Uh, Born you... in Allentown, Pennsylvania, but then I was whisked away against my will when I was five and went to Texas. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's funny. I because... mean, it was with my parents. I wasn't kidnapped, but my family took me. Yeah. You you didn't feel uh, confident enough to do that emancipation move at that point. Not at five. No. No. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, it, we all develop at different speeds. Yep. Some of us are slower. And... I'm, I'm doing it now. I'm in the process now, though. That, well, there so you go. Yeah. Take but, that. So, so uh, well, at five, were you old enough to, to, like, have a real sense of, like, oh, I'm going to a very different place? Or, you know, I mean, do you remember any of that? No, not really. I don't remember Pennsylvania at all. Okay. Yeah. My I... very first memory as a kid was being at 
pushed in a stroller and scared by a clown at an amusement park. That's the first memory. (laughs) And I think that has shaped who I am today, Eric. Scared of a clown is my first memory. I, I was going to ask, and how did you respond to the cloud? I'm okay. just crying, just crying and crying. But, yeah. I, I think that's always the appropriate response. Yeah. But, but now oh, I'm man. the clown. Oh, tear. Sad tear. <laughs> so, got, got a cat sniffing at me. <laughs> just another Saturday. Uh, <laughs> man. Uh, e- either the, the, the rules of... Of of uh, propriety or not being properly enforced in this studio, or this studio is someone's home. Um, Don't blow the go. illusion. We are we are <laughs> on the top of the Empire State Building right now. So, <laughs> wow, <laughs> that explains a lot of things and raises even more questions. Um, so, all right. So, so what part of uh, of Texas? Uh, the first place we went to was Grand Prairie. Yes, it's as grand as it sounds. At that. That sounds like it should be an NPR show. <laughs> yeah, it's, it Grand should. Prairie. Today on Grand Prairie, the mystery yeah. of the <laughs> wax museum that burned down twice, which happened. <laughs> that happened down in Grand Prairie. Uh, not fun. And then we moved to Plano, Texas. And then after I went out of high school, I grew up in Dallas proper. So. Oh, okay. So, so uh, when did you hit Dallas proper? When I was 22. Okay, I was already grown up then. But yes, I lived in Dallas from like 22, 23. Oh, okay, okay. So, when, so when, when New York? They moved to New York in 2003. 2003. All right. So, so uh, uh, you were a few different places in Texas. Did you like Texas? Parts of it. Yeah. It was good. Um, I did stand up there for a while. You know, it's a smaller pond there, and there was a smaller people in the late, the late 90s, so there were more opportunities to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved up here because I started, I was the mascot for American Airlines for two years. So I. <laughs> Wait a minute. I need you to clarify <laughs> that for me. Yeah. You were the mascot. Yes. I dressed up like an airline seat <laughs> uh, with a whole. Pa- in the back of it so my head could pop out and talk to people. It was an actual airline seat. I was spoke seat 12A, and the whole gimmick was there's more leg room and coach because I quit and I walked off the plane, so I traveled around the country as an airline seat doing oh. promotions. <laughs> so I came up here to Queens. Wow, that, and, uh, that sounds potentially more, more creepy than it, a clown. Yeah, uh. you're right. I, I may be some kid's first memory, too, was an airline seat that talked, and they're just weeping, and they're scarred for life now. It could pro- yeah. Wow. It was a great gig. <laughs> One of the gigs we, when we were in here in New York, I, we teamed up with the Rockettes, and we took pictures of them sitting on me in different places in the city, and you had to go to a website and guess where we were to win airline tickets. And so, wow. yeah, we were in front of Sardi's and I had a rockette sitting on me and all these people taking pictures. And they're like, Rory, are you okay? I was like, okay, I'm fantastic. This is the best. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I know you just well enough to know that as confidently and securely as you told that story, it could be all bullshit. <laughs> That's true. And you could sell it just as well. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Wow, man! So you, you were talking, <laughs> talking. I was talking airline. Yeah. Wow, wow! Did, did you ever do the, the the mascot conventions? You know, get to meet the chicken or, or yep. you know. We, no, we did um, Toy Fair uh, a couple of years, and I went out there as everything from a Teletubby to a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. 
Oh, all while wearing the same costume? Uh, no, no, different costumes. No, I, I was those those costumes. Toy Fair every year, and then they have like a toy par- like a mascot parade outside of the Javits Center. So I've met some mascots. Oh yeah. So I, I, I see, now I'm fascinated. This whole it's going to be an hour talking about you being a mascot. I, I, yeah. The the so the costume is like your whole head cut out. It's so the for the airline seat it was just picture an airline seat but yeah, where yeah, your yeah. head would go there's a hole there for my head to pop out. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, meaning you're not looking through some some badly affixed goggles right. in no, a it's tiny not a hole. mesh thing you can actually see my face because I had to do a lot of talking and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But that that also means that you could at least see where you were going even if it was awkward to move in the costume, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, could I, I, I? No, I've done some awful. I've done so much mascot work, though, Eric. I am working on a one-man show right now about the mascot work. It's called. It's the working title is "Your Kid Is Hugging Me Too Hard: Tales of a Mascot." <laughs> wow. I'm working on that. So yeah, I uh, wow, so many questions. Um, <laughs> so so when when you were growing up in various parts of Texas, yeah. what? <laughs> When when did you first get the impulse to to perform? Did you did you always want to perform or? Yeah, well, up until about fifth grade, I was a model student. I got straight A's. I got a trophy for having straight A's up until fifth grade. And then once I hit sixth grade, I realized school was bullshit. So I took a turn and I joined theater arts. That's what you do, or theater in Texas. It's theater, right? Uh, yeah. Um, and so I just started doing the, the doing plays, and uh, then right out of high school, I just started doing stand up instead of going to to college. I almost went to culinary school, but then I it was a toss up between that. I was going to go to Boston and go to culinary school, but then I did my first open mic, and I was like, oh no no, this is much better. So, <laughs> so well, had had stand up been a, a like a, a goal or or something you aspired to for a long time at that point? It came out. Of, I was in a band for a while, and I like playing music with friends. But I I liked talking to the audience in between songs better. So it's like, okay, right, right, right. we'll just yeah. They're like, um, you're not taking the band too seriously. Let's you know. So it's like, all right, I'm gonna go do some stand up. And well, all right. So so let me ask you this because I'm 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 trying to construct a picture here, and I'm thinking like, all right. So you you got the music, you got the stand up, you got the theater. Uh, like, did it start from one thing or was it all just kind of like it's all performing? I love all of it. Yeah, I think it's just all performing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that, that that kind of makes sense in in the the grown up Rory that I know like done a, a bunch of different things just at our show alone, yeah. uh, let alone what else you're doing. So uh, I did go to six weeks of community college though, so I got that going for me. That's right. So and but, and and that's where the 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 mascot career came from. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I took mascot, uh, mascot, one hundred and one in uh, Collin County Community College. It was great. <laughs> how to put on a head, how to breathe, how to not be claustrophobic, and when dressed like a muppet. That was my thesis. You know, and it's funny because not many uh, higher education programs actually have a degree for for that. No, but I I can say I went to Cornell. Kind of. I, for Cornell's 150th anniversary five or six years ago, I got hired to dress as the founder, one of the founders, and we did alumni shows all over the world. It was so great. You, you did alumni shows without having actually been an alumni. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Uh, it, 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 one of our stage managers, uh, Stephanie, uh, stupendous Stephanie, if I'm being correct, oh. um, 
I went to Cornell, you may have to have a discussion. She's like part of the... <laughs> oh, Stephanie, if you're listening, I know all about Cornell. I know about Dragon Day. I know about Slope Day, how the statues come to life at night. It was great. <laughs> I get to... We, we traveled. It was me and Wynton Marcellus, Jimmy Smits, and uh, uh, it was super fun. They flew me to London on their own dime. I was like, all right. So I just tell people I went to Cornell now. I was like, yeah. But I never actually went to Cornell. Not even vis- not even to visit the school. I don't even know where it is. So I'm a poser. <laughs> oh, my God. So basically you just met the bus and they picked you up and took you to wherever you're doing the gig. Yeah, they're like, here's the script. Get up there. Put your beard on. Man, I want to buy some pot from you. <laughs> uh- <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> We'll do this now or after the yeah. after the podcast? Okay. Mascotting alone, don't pay the bills, buddy boy. Um, well, oh, mascot pot. I deliver as a mascot. This is it. I'm going to dress up like a, a weed leaf or something or a joint. Oh, my God. Do kids' birthday Man, parties? Whether, whether or not the seed is talking depends on whether or not you've completed your purchase. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I... I, I I'm, I have to tell you, I'm a little bit fascinated. I have no idea where where to zero in on to start. So, all right, I can let, tell you so, how I so you're getting out of chair. high school. I almost died as the chair. Dressed as the chair. We were, I, I was doing a hockey promotion for the Islanders at the Coliseum. And in between the second and third quarters, we were given a, a, a puck contest where if you could hit the puck from center ice into the net, we'd give away a, some tickets. And so I get out there and I'm waving and the contest is taking a little too long. And I, hear, I feel someone grab my shoulders and throw me down. I'm dressed as a chair, right? The guy throws me down on the ice. A Zamboni almost runs me over. It's on the big screen. And everyone thought it was part of the, the, uh, the act. And they're like, yay! I was like, I almost died flattened by a Zamboni dressed as a, a seat. What a, what a death that would have been, Eric. But it didn't happen, obviously. But that was. <laughs> but as I was on the jumbotron. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so, are, are you still living in Texas at this point? Uh, yes, I was still in Texas. That's why I wanted to move up here because I kept coming up here for the work, and I was like, I, I oh, need okay, to just okay. stay here. So, yeah. So, uh, all right, you, you mentioned going to community college. Uh, did did you were you in any theater departments or? or? No. Okay, and and were you were you in bands all the way through? I was in a band, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, with your band or you... yeah, our own band, yeah. I know, but well, a band with some friends. Meaning, were you the head honcho, or were you uh, just? Uh, I was one of the songwriters. No, 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 no. It was a group of friends that got together. Okay, played. yeah. All right, and and basically just local in Texas. Yeah, of course, I, I guess that covers a wide swath. Yeah, you know. Um. All right, so uh, so you're doing that. And uh, how did you feel the first time you did an open mic? The first time I did a mic, it was at this club called Funny Bone in Fort Worth, Texas. And Mm -hmm. the winner got, you did five minutes, the winner came back and did a set at the next show. And so I went up there and I I killed it. I crushed it. I won. It was fantastic. I was like, oh, this is great. This is what I'm doing. So I got invited back to do 15 minutes the next week. And I bombed so hard, so hard the second time because I blew through my five minute set. And then I was like, oh, I have 10 minutes to do nothing. I'm just, I, I was, I saw it was awful. Mm. So did, did it at least the repeat five minutes go okay? Yeah. That oh, went okay. Right. that went okay. But then I, was, I had nothing. And I was like, well, I'll never do this again. But then I did. <laughs> I went a third time. And I was like, yeah. So now every other show I bomb. For the rest of my life. That's how that works. Oh, well, you know, consistency is the key of the game. Yeah. You've mastered that. (laughs) All right. So that that was was, uh, back then. 
I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really enjoying this, but I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to put the jigsaw together. Yeah. Uh, so Not fuck the jigsaw. Old. Let's, <laughs> let's just stay with stand up for a moment. It, 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 so do you still do stand up? Like, I don't believe I've ever, that's one thing I don't think I've ever seen you actually yeah, do. Yeah, I got back into it in the last three years. I've been, cause I was working at, at a club in, in Queens at QED mm-hmm. for a while. And then, so I still host the, uh, some of the weekend shows, the weekend stand-up shows there. And, uh, yeah, I'll do stand-up around around New York every once in a while. I'm going to Dallas this weekend to do improv, but I'll be hosting a stand-up show that night, too. So, Oh, man. A little yeah. of this, a little of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how, how about music? What are you doing with music these days? Music, I, I do musical comedy with I, that. This, yeah. this I'm aware of. So I have a, oh, yeah, well, yeah, Pembroke and Lou was our first one. Was We were protest singers, if you don't know. With Elizabeth Blue, she was lovely. Oh, right, you know so, what? Yeah. Before we go down that path, is, is back up a little bit. So, so uh, you're 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 done with community? Did you get out of of community yeah, college? Or you just stopped going. That was, yeah, that one. I just stopped going. <laughs> I'm I'm well acquainted with that. So, um, <laughs> I, I I took it to another level when I stopped going to city college. I actually had my name in the program for the graduation, so I pulled off the hoax. Just didn't get the degree. Oh, um, nice. Story for another podcast, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. So when you're done with that, mm-hmm. um, do you have a plan? Do you, in, in, in both in terms of where you're headed, but also like on what you want to do, or that just you know doing whatever comes along. Yeah, no, no plan, just whatever come along. Yeah, I didn't like the college, so I didn't do that. I like stand up, I did that, and then I was uh, to make end meet. I, I was a short order cook at a grill. <laughs> By college, and that was fun, but uh, I didn't go to. Was that like at a college hangout? Yeah, yeah. So, so you like you knew the people who were coming in a lot. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Hey, can we get a free burger? No, go along. Oh no, I I gave it away (laughs) (laughs) for some reason. They they gave me keys to the place after two weeks. I was like, this is a huge mistake on your part. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, yeah. Oh man, so how long did you have that job? I about almost a year. Oh, yeah. That's not bad for a racket like that. Yeah. But I was the first one in, last one out, so, or first one in, in the mornings, and in the the night, I'd open up for my friends, and we'd have parties, and we'd drain a keg and eat beers, and then I'd just put it back on the list to order, and this, I think the statute of limitations of robbery are off, right? This is like nine, this was 2000, and early 2000s, so. But just, just take good care of Miles, uh, because he'll probably be doing the editing for this one, so. Oh. You know, as long as, as long as the check's. Long as the check cleared, there'll be no problem. Miles, what's your Venmo, Miles? It is. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is at blackmail dot. Yeah. All of this happens on the week when Garrett, producer Gary, is not around. Um, oh, no. It never would have happened if. Uh, so all right, so so anyway, so, so you work in the short order. Cook. What what other jobs did you have in 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 Texas? Oh. Well, I, was, uh, I waited tables at many, many places. Mm-hmm. Uh, more mascot work. I was uh, dressed up like a fuzzy What was heart. your first mascot gig? My, the first one was, I was uh, there was a bottled water company called Valver. Mm-hmm. And I, their motto was a cat. And so it was a cat. Valver the cat walking around at the, opera, uh, at the uh, operas in the park in Dallas, passing out free, free bottled water. That was my first mascot gig. All right, I'm sorry. I... I I, I, I don't mean to be looking at things with a fine tooth comb know, here, Dallas but that is opera. a beautiful, oh. beautiful picture. Oh, thank you. As, yeah. as, as, as a mascot, 
dressed in a cat costume, passing out water to people at the opera in Texas. That's it. I that <laughs> dude right there. That's a career right that's there. That's a Netflix show right there. <laughs> yeah, man, Valver on the next Valver. Someone's thirsty watching. <laughs> Madame wow. Bo- Bohem. I don't know. Is that an opera? Madame Bo. <laughs> That's that, what popped in my head for opera. I don't know. You are going to have trouble curating your life for the solo show that's got to come. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So that was your fir- first mascot gig. Did 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 you like it or was it like? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, no. It was the summer in Dallas, and I was dressed in the mascot costume as a cat. Oh. It was very hot. I didn't. I didn't really like it. But yeah. I had all the free water I could drink. So. <laughs> But so, but but it didn't deter you from taking other mascot That's jobs. That's true. Yes. Then I was a fuzzy heart for a Hallmark store, so I dressed like a heart. The joke was, I have a heart on for Hallmark. Oh dear uh, God! Yeah. That, well, that was not their joke. That was my oh. joke. <laughs> They're like, please stop saying that. I was like, well, <laughs> it's true though. I have a heart on for Hallmark. Come on in and. <laughs> so. So, so you didn't get the gig in the copywriting department, is Correct. what you're saying. <laughs> all right, all right. But, you know, the, the, the mascot gig is a pretty, pretty cinchy one. So. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, did you at any point think, hey, I, I, I can make a go of this, the, the mascot thing? I, mean, I just it, take whatever job comes down the pike, you know? And so uh, once I got the American Airlines gig, I was like, yeah, we were – I did it for two years – and we were very close to making me like official like like posters and little dolls and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were that close. And then American Airlines laid off like a hundred and fifty thousand people, and they're like, "If they see we have a budget for this nonsense, they'll kill us all." So they they canceled the program. Wow. I was like, "No, could have been an airline seat for life." <laughs> <laughs> Shoot for the stars, man. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm just picturing in an alternative universe, um, me at the end of No Name Shows giving out Rory the talking airline seat action figures. Yes. I could have been, that would have been amazing. You pull the string and you hear my voice. It's like, I swear, that's just my seatbelt or something. You know, it's like, oh. Hope you're strapped in tight. Um, Man. Uh, So at the time you get that particular gig, yeah. Uh, anything going out in uh, going on in more traditional performing at that point? Actually, at the same time, uh, I was working for Mark Cuban for a while, and Interesting. he had a talk show, and I was one of his writers on there, and so I was also doing that. So how did you get that gig? That gig came from doing stand-up. I was doing stand-up at the Addison Improv, and their producers came in and then saw me and asked if I would want to be part of a oh, wow. that, part of a, the show. Yeah, right place, right time. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah. Um, and had you ever done any of that kind of work before? No, nope. They had like a Super Dave Osborne type of character called Buff Tanner. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted me to play his sidekick, and so we wrote a, a show. But then we started writing things for the Mark Cuban bit. So Mark Cuban would do the bits with us and sketches and stuff like that. It was fun. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Did Did you like working with that? Yeah. Guy? Oh, yeah. It was great. Okay. Yeah, but it was goofy. I think it only aired in Dallas, and you know, it was oh, just, okay. they were really goofy shows. But that, that, that surprises me a little. You know, I mean, he's a big enough guy. This was like again early two thousand. So I don't know if oh, you had right, the right. reach yeah, he does now. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, all right. And I so, saw him recently. I showed the pictures. I was like, can we get the band back together? And he's like, no, no, we're not doing that. I was like, all right. Well, I tried. Now, I'll go dress up like a cup of iced tea or something. All right. Very good. <laughs> Man. So so you're, you're a writer for a TV show at the same time you get this cushy gig as, 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 Little as a cushy. talking airline seat. Yep. Did, did you feel yourself being pulled in one direction or the other? Well, once the, the Cupid show kind of ended, and then that was also a little catalyst of me, like, well, I should just move to New York and be here. Okay. I've seen enough as a chair. I'll go up there and be a person <laughs> now. So so, so when, when you landed in New York, uh, what, do you, what do you do? You, do you have to start from scratch hitting the mics and stuff? Kind of. With stand-up, yeah, that's why. And I, so I was also doing improv in, in, uh, in Texas, too. I was part of comedy when sports. When did you first do, do improv? 97. I'm very old. Your interns <laughs> right. are just you, falling asleep. You, you were the cutest <laughs> three-year-old improv guy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So we will back your story. Yeah. So. Uh, stand, no, I, pre, I admire people that came out right out of the gate and doing stand-up because they got to do six you know, six nights a week, three, four shows hustling. And I was like, I just don't have it in me to do that. Oh, so, so you weren't just dabbling. You actually... Jumping into the game. Yeah. Well, it, I, again, in, in Texas, I was doing stand-up. Like, you can do it, and you get booked. You're booked, like, Wednesday through Sunday, and, you know, you got a gig, and it's that's fine. But up here, man, you really got to hustle. And I just, I was, mm. I didn't have that hustle to do that much stand-up that fast. So I, I, I went back into improv. Mm. Right, I didn't have to write anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, yeah. right. And then I joined Comedy Sports New York up here when I moved. How how, uh, how is the the Texas improv scene at least wherever you were at the time you were doing that uh, versus New York improv scene? Oh, it's not. At the time, there were maybe three troops doing it. The Dallas improv scene's gotten better now, though. There's a, a couple of good houses down there. My friend John runs the Alternative Comedy Theater down there, and that's a huge improv uh, staple. And there's a uh four day weekend is another one so they they have their own their own scene going down there but you know nothing really beats new york or chicago for for that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i know when, when i don't know if you know this actually when no name started we were uh a sketch group and um at that time in new york to the best of my knowledge there were like three sketch groups we were one of them mm. uh one of those three groups was really good that was not us um, yeah, <laughs> little oh, moments, but, uh, okay. but anyway, but the thing was, even then, you know, 30 years ago now we're talking, um, you couldn't walk down the street without tripping over an improv troupe. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things that I thought if that were my thing, I loved improv, but it would never, I would never grade at it for performance. I was good, you know, in using it to help develop scenes and, right. and plays and stuff. But um, but it seemed to me that that New York would either be great or horrible to enter as an improv person. Great because there was so many places you could do it, but there was so much bad improv. Oh yeah, and I did a lot of bad improv too. <laughs> yeah, so you because were part you of the glom- problem. Oh, I was part of the problem big time <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, but yeah, but it is oversaturated. But then you find there's I mean there's a lot of good. Improv, but you just gotta. Oh yeah, you know, no, there is absolutely. I'm yeah. not. I'm not damning but I've the done, whole I've thing. I've done but... improv shows where I've just gone straight off the stage into a corner and hit my head and didn't want to look at anybody for hours. But yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think there there was a period uh, when when people were getting a little bit uh, wiped out by the stand up boom, 
Uh, I think, you know, uh, people are like, hey, but now it's, it's it, we can do improv nerd. <laughs> a bunch of us get stage time at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know about when it, this would have been before you, you hit New York probably, but there was definitely a time where, where aside from, you know, Chicago city limits and, and you know, the, the scenes that ultimately developed at the pit and what have you, yeah. it, it seemed to me there was a lot of what I called stand-up improv like people who are bad stand-up comics claiming to do improv, which would really well, very no. contrived setups for them to do their unfunny stand-up jokes. I was in Chicago jokes. City Limits for five years, Eric. So, no, <laughs> Chicago City No, no I love no, Chicago yeah, City fun. Limits. Yeah. Chicago City Limits, uh, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm heartened to hear that you were a part of them. I really, I mean, I, I don't know what it was like by the time you got there, but when they were still pretty new in New York, they were... You know, for me, they were the standard in the city at yeah, that time. Yeah, they were for a while, too. They had their place over on First. In fact, when when the woman uh, who started No Name with me as a sketch group, when we were we were kind of like rehearsing with a crew of people at different people's houses, and we didn't know what we were going to be. We were thinking maybe improv, maybe sketch, maybe a mix. And we went uh, as a crew to see Chicago City Limits, and we were kind of blown away and... Uh, you know, you know, we were young, so it was like we stayed after, and some of those people talked with us, and and we were just like, "You're so nice. You're these great performers, and you're talking to us." Little realizing that you know, it, when I look back on it now, I feel a little bit silly because you know, I I born and raised in New York, so like I I don't have a tendency to be super starstruck because you see people walking around right. all the time. Yeah. But for some reason, this was just like these people who do these amazing things and they're they're kindly talking to us while they're drinking their beer, which we may have paid for. Yeah, you yeah. know, you give them twenty bucks for the show and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. But that was uh, what, the Yanhus Playhouse Yanhus, or whatever the, yeah. it was. I I was with them when they were at the Broadway Comedy Club, but okay, all right. But then I was in Comedy Sports New York for a while, and then uh, and then I was a house team at the Pit for about five six years. So well, all right. So let, let's talk about that journey for a minute. Like so, because uh, I I know you're you're like fully immersed in 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 the improv scene these days, and you you teach and you do all sorts of stuff. Uh, when you when you are getting established in New York. Now, was the first thing you were attempting to do stand-up? Yes. Okay. And the improv is another way to to get more stage time? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, so I was doing comedy sports in Dallas, and then uh, comedy sports in New York was already a thing. So I was like, hey, I kind of... I, so I reached out to them, and they're like, you can work our tech booth for a couple months and like see if you like it, and then we'll integrate you into the shows. And so that's how that happened. All right. Is that, yeah. is that where you met Lee Allen Barrett? I yes, I think so. Where'd you meet Lee? Uh he auditioned for a sketch group. Okay. It Lee goes back with us to the, to almost a very Wait, very he auditioned. Beginning. Did he get in? Uh yes, he did. Okay. He he was wonderful. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, Lee's great. Yeah, no, it, it, it's funny because he wasn't doing magic at that time and he like he you know been a staple of our show for yeah. for years and years now, but um he was also 3 when it started in case he's listening. But um <laughs> But so, all right, well, let me ask you this. Coming from where you were in Texas, um, how did New York feel? 
Oh, good. Well, I'm more independent. Plus, I'm a horrible driver, and I have my driver's license taken away in Texas. Uh, so to be able to move around on buses and subways and stuff and just be more independent, yeah, it was great. Uh, it's the it's a totally different feel. Oh, all right, yeah. all right. So uh, let me ask you this. Now I'm jaded. I've been here too long, and I don't care. But with the <laughs> fan, it was, oh, it was great. You did talk a little bit about, you know, uh, what the the mic scene was, was like. What, uh, how did you find... Uh, transitioning into the New York improv scene at that time. I thought it was great. I mean, uh, like I said, in Dallas, there wasn't a huge improv scene when I was there at the time. And just to have, like, actual whole schools. Like, we didn't have a school for improv. Mm -hmm. But having actual schools and theaters dedicated just to improv was great. It was very different. And I'm going to take a guess. Did, did, did they seem to find you were more advanced than than at it than newbies coming in at that time yeah yeah i mean i yeah i had a pretty good resume coming in so yeah i i hit the stage pretty fast and and got some good gigs out uh, of i did comedy sports was in, and then after comedy sports i transitioned to chicago city limits and then uh then from there to the pit oh, I'm and then i did beer prof on a cruise ship for four months oh lord <laughs> oh really talk about that Never again <laughs> That is, uh, yeah, that's middle America right there doing, doing improv. Uh, it was fun, though. Like, I only worked six hours a week on this ship, which was nice. The rest of the time I could drink my weight in pina coladas and, and stuff, <laughs> which I did. But, you know, you do shows for like 900 people and it was awesome and you're on the ship. But then inevitably, like, people walk up to you and they're like, hey, you were funny. I've got a joke. Okay, these two homosexuals. I was like, okay, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Wow. Um, yeah, I'll see you at the, the next show. <laughs> always like, oh, always concluded with, you could use that. Yeah, yeah, you can use that if you want to. That's funny, man. Okay, it seems this Mexican fellow's like, all right, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> and, these are not the fan base I want. You know, it's like. <laughs> I understood, yeah. understood. And, and. And were they by any chance uh, visiting from Plano, Texas? Hey, um, say, why I oughta? I, that's <laughs> no. It, it's funny. I, I I've heard of uh, two different stories. One of them, I believe, is from that part of from Texas. Plano? Yeah. But uh, but uh, at least two stories from from uh, that general neck of the woods in Texas, where uh, they they were in an all white or predominantly white high school that put on a production of A Raisin in the Sun. Oh. And that has always stayed with me. <laughs> no, yeah. That, okay, yeah. And yes, it was played exactly in the way you would fear it was played. Oh, man. Um, well, Plano, yeah. There was a good little group of skinheads that lived outside of Plano, too, which was kind of scary. Uh, do, do you know... Uh, do I know any of them? No. Eric, <laughs> I don't. Uh, we cut ties. Uh I, I wonder where I was going with that, but uh, <laughs> um, do you know uh, uh, stand-up comic Kareth Foster? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's you know she's from. We, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm like whacking the microphone. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you know she's from there. Yeah, yeah. And that was she was the first person I ever heard uh, tell that story, and then it turned out a, a friend of mine who who had been in New York for decades now, and it, it, that's just this that's a different world. Plano, when I, when I lived there, when I was a kid, it was the hot air balloon capital of the country because we had so many hot air balloons. Then it switched to the meth 
the meth ca- capital. Then I think it was the suicide was ki- capital kind of for a lateral while. move. Yeah, but now I think it's back to hot air balloons. So <laughs> things are getting better in Plano. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that uh, you know wear that badge with pride, my friend. Um, Take some meth and fly a balloon. <laughs> You're in Plano, Texas. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, one of the the numbers that was cut from the final edit of of Mary Poppins. <laughs> that's um, it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame because it really had the best dance number to go with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all right, you're getting immersed in the New York scene. You're doing improv. You're hitting the mics. Um, are you doing any music in New York? No, not at that time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, but uh, well, at what point did, did music with your comedy come in in New York? Um I don't remember now. What? That was so long ago, Eric. Oh, well, we would do musicals in comedy sports. We do little musical scenes and things like that. And I still played guitar. Mm-hmm. I was like looking for something to do with that. Um, and then I guess my fr- our friend Elizabeth Blue joined comedy sports. And somehow we just, yeah, we just started writing these little funny little protest songs together as a protest couple and came up with those characters. All right. Now, so uh, I think Elizabeth, first, uh... Elizabeth Blue. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah, no, she's great. It, she, yeah. how, how's she doing these days? She is all over the place. She's doing great. I think she's like a life coach in Bali right now or something. It's hard to keep up with what she's doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I know the last time I got a message from her, I had actually reached out to see if she wanted to do a, a, a show that we had coming up. And she was like, well, I would, but I'm in Bali yeah. or whatever. <laughs> like, I, all right, so you'll have to transfer at Union Square. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, all right, so 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 all right, so I think we finally got your entrance point into art to doing our shows. Yeah. Lee Allen Barrett, so I guess you were in, in improv with, uh, Lee. with Lee at that point. Yeah. And yeah, and he Lee's great. Lee's introduced me to a lot. Lee Lee's to, he the St. Patrick's party day the uh, parade party. Have you ever been to that thing? Let me let me t- let me say that again in English. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Lee used to work in this building of this hedge fund manager, and uh, he worked at the jewelry store. And every year, this guy has a party on St. Patrick's Day, and he's on 44th and 5th overlooking the parade route. Uh And so Lee brought me one time, and this party is... Uh, it's huge. He's got three bars set up, and he's got a wraparound terrace where you can go outside, and smoke weed, drink, and he's got bands and food, and the parade the comes up, and the news is there. And so I've been crashing it every year since then for twelve <laughs> years. I'm trying to bring more and more people, and I think they don't have they don't do it anymore, unfortunately. But at the the very last time, I think he thought I worked there. This guy was something Hogan. He's a hedge fund manager, mm-hmm. uh, but it was the best. And so I have Lee to thank for crashing that party because at the end, Hogan was like, "Rory, I gotta tell you." some company secrets i was like sure all right he goes don't tell anyone i was like you got it mr hogan or well yeah it was crazy but anyway lee thank you lee for the st patrick's day memories is is that where you you met and bonded with lee well we were in comp or you just wanted to tell the story about going to the great st patrick's party lee got me in the party i just wanted to tell that story thank you shout out to lee thank you you can edit that out miles that's fine how long have you been waiting to 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 thank him for that I thank him every year. I go. <laughs> so, all right. So you're doing improv with Lee. <laughs> yes. And he's yeah. <laughs> just like they used to do on on, on Donahue. Um, <laughs> it's wow. That I I even felt that was a really old reference. Yeah. Um, you're it, it made me a little Donahue. uncomfortable to be around me. Um, so all right. So 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 you and Lee are doing improv, and 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 Lee. 
by this point, uh, No Name has tra- uh, transitioned from being a sketch group into the the comedy variety thing that we've been doing. Yeah. Um, ever since then, and Lee around that time had started playing with doing magic, and he he will downplay his early skills, but he immediately connected with our audience and uh, did great work. Oh yeah, and uh, I think it was right around the time. Did, did you ever? Do you recall? Was the first time you did our show was that at Mo Pitkins? That was at Mo Pitkins. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. That's definitely so you, the first time. So you dodged. The legendary midnight show in in the broken down building. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we we but we weren't we were only at well Mo Pickens only existed for like like I think a little less than three years and we were there for about a year. Okay. Um, but we met some amazing people there and you know he's yeah my friend Rory uh, you know and and another one of our you know they do the same. And you guys were, were just hilarious from, from the get-go. Oh. Uh, I mean, how much... It, it, yes, you, you, you had these protest songs, but there was a lot of, I presume, improvised patter, right? Uh, I we wrote we actually wrote it out more than oh okay yeah. I hope that's not insulting or whatever. No, no, it, no. It, my 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 meaning being that you know they seem very off the cuff and yeah. very much it we felt well, we wanted these protest singers to be protest singers who just didn't get it like one of our songs was about us selling protest signs you know so it was like, you know, <laughs> I forgot about like that, that. And, yeah. yeah and just missing the mark completely on the on the big subject so well it was, it was funny because my my whole thing with you guys were so committed to those characters when you did our show anyway yeah that I I was very entertained. I was a little. I, I I walked away with like really no sense of who these people really are because <laughs> they can't be the people who've just been entertaining us. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. I, I mean, how I, how many places were you guys doing that? Was it just something you were doing when you came by our place? No, we yeah we were doing it a while. We actually wrote a like a forty five minute short play that we put up at the pit one year. And uh, yeah, we do other variety shows. We'd have Pembroke and Lou, like sit-ins and things like that that we would host. Oh, that would be perfect. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, why? I it it, it just it got tired and moved on, or yeah. I mean, I'm I don't know. Uh, Lou is interested in doing some other stuff. Holy Jesus! Okay, your cat. That cat just. <laughs> Eric, you didn't see it, but the cat just scared the hell out of me. All right, we're oh all right. we're okay. The cat I, ironic cat. since you've been in a cat costume before. You shouldn't be <laughs> he taking... One of us. <laughs> so so what, did the cat shake you down? Is yeah, that... it took my wallet. <laughs> wow. Damn it. Wow, that, that's Call that's the pretty... Humane Society. That's it. Put... Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're not going to find anything in there. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, that... Blue Moon oh, right, to do some other stuff. Back. And, uh, um uh, and then, yeah, then I did music. The the next music thing I did was called the BTK Band. Did you ever? Oh, yeah. I yeah. remember you guys came through, through our show a few times yeah. as well. And that was, they had nice, at least in my circle, they had a nice little following for. We had a, yeah, it was super fun. We had a, a really good run for about six six years. And it was just a storyteller. We had storytellers from the Moth. Peter Guerrero was the front man for us. He, he hosts the Moth a lot, which is mm-hmm. a storytelling community. And then. 
We added storytellers. We added other musicians. Then we started adding burlesque dancers. And then we would just do shows with a big bottle of whiskey and a plate of pie cookies. And once those were done, the show was over. So that was, but we had a nice little following for a while underground. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 With that. So I, 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 as you're, as you're making your New York journey through all these other things, again, there, and forgive me if I'm being too redundant here, but was there anything in particular that you were like, Hey, this 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 is I found it. This is it, or is it just enjoying doing everything? Yeah, I'm just no. I just enjoy what what comes along. You know, it's just because it doesn't. Nothing really lasts. Nothing really lasts too longer. But uh, but BTK was the closest thing. Like that was the like this is exactly the show I want to do and the people I want to do it with. And mm. yeah, and in fact, we're still doing stuff together. We just have a a, a couple. Of, we did a show at Under St. Mark's the other night that we're gonna have a run at now. Called, oh, it's, hey, called, it's called Soundcheck, and it's me and Peter Aguero and Jeff Shear from BTK, and uh, it's it's a, a an hour show, and it's the soundcheck of a band before they go on. So we get a fake name from the audience, and we're there, and we're tuning up, and we're plugging in, and we're fucking with the sound person, and we're going over some songs that are all improvised, and then at the very end, this person brings us out, and that's when the show ends. So it's it's called Soundcheck, and it's, so far it's pretty fun. We're oh, doing, man, yeah. that, that, that sounds like fun. Yeah. And you're going to have a, a, an actual run? or a... Yeah, July 25th is our next one, and I think uh, that's maybe one more warm-up in August, and then we'll have a, a, a run in the fall oh, very once we cool. figure it out. Very cool. Yeah. And that's going to be at Under St. Mark's? Either Under St. Mark's or the Crane. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, man, no, that's very cool. And it's nice that you guys have uh, worked together all that time. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's nice, you know, it's always, you know, the nature of, of, of all of these things that we do, you know, it, it, you know, you, you make relationships and then they're gone. Yeah. You know, and it, it's nice when you're able to hold on. It is one of the many reasons we love Lee so much, like, you know, Lee's been there and it's like yep. it, a little something that you can, you know, hang stuff on yeah, you know what fine. i mean you've had the same experiences and now you're back you know exactly. together and stuff so you yeah you find that every once in a while a group of people that you really like working with and you just that's the people you stick with so when when did you start uh teaching improv and do you teach other things uh no i don't I'm not, i don't really like teaching if i'm being honest i don't care <laughs> I'm 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 sorry what was that <laughs> I mean i love teaching eric is i'm just i was just saying how much i love teaching no i uh <laughs> No, I teach I I, I teach improv. I I'm like uh, at summer camps and things like that. That'll that'll do it occasionally. I was doing some drop in classes um, at the pit. And, okay, babe, but babe, are you are you still do, doing that? Uh, no, not really. No, oh, okay, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't no, really no, teach no. that much anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I blame this on my ability to do research the way I used to. Yeah, no, that's cool. So, <laughs> no, yeah. But you did that for a good stretch of yeah, time, though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and I still will. Like, I'll, I'll do like a corporate like ninety minute workshop. Which is good, which is fine. But it's as far as like the six to eight week classes where it's the same. I, what, I don't, don't really do that. What 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 is teaching uh, a ninety minute corporate improv? Uh, oh, you class? go in there. It's like it's better than like a team building thing. Or sometimes they'll do a scavenger hunt or something like that. Sometimes they'll have an improv teacher come in and we'll just teach a workshop to them and basic basic short form games, basic like team games and stuff like that. Mm. Then you always have the one guy, the funny guy in the office, you know. 
Alex and HR. Oh, look out. Here comes Alex and HR. He's going to take over. It's like, all right, buddy, calm down. <laughs> You're the funny one. As long as I get paid, you can take over. I don't care. And and how often how often do you find that the one they think it's the funny one is actually the funny one? No, hardly ever. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like uh, if you have to say you're the funny one, you're probably not the funny one. So I, Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, all right. <laughs> Usually they just do scenes and then they quote like dumb and dumber or something. It's like that's <laughs> not okay, if that's what it is, fine. That's great. Hey, but, here's one you can use. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> it seems these two drag queens are okay, all right, sir. Thank you very much. All right, I'll see you at the buffet. They better have baked ziti this time or my wife's gonna leave me. All right. I, I, I have greedy. to tell you something that's always fascinated me about those kinds of gigs, the the, the cruise ship gigs, is like I mean, ha- have you ever had the experience of and if so, how do you deal with it? Of of like having a show that just did not go well, and now you're stuck on the boat with these people for yeah. the next. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like going on vacation with the audience that hates you. <laughs> yeah, like, well, this is oh, what I'm right. saying. Yeah. yeah. Then you just stay in your cabin, and you. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, they won't come back to the rest of the shows. Looks like yeah. I picked the wrong week to give up weed and whiskey. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. All right. No, yeah, you yeah, can no, find no, weed no. all over cruise ship. Oh, anyway. But uh, let, let me ask you this: Do you did you find that the 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 pay that you received for that kind of a gig was was worth the discomfort if it went awry? Oh, it was fine. I wish I would have had my own cabin. I stayed with a very nice comic. This guy Josh. He's a Canadian. Very. I was the only American on the ship. Uh, in oh, the, okay. in, the, in the crew, uh, and he was nice. But if we would have had our own cabins, it would have been a lot better. Got it. it was fine. All right. So I and, and it's weird because you know with all the different things you've done at, at our shows through the years, um, I realize nowadays I, I I largely if if I don't stop to think about it, I largely think of you as a storyteller because that's what I see you mostly doing nowadays. Yeah. Um, and. When I say what I see you doing mostly is like that when I encounter you, but um, how much of a of what you do these days is storytelling? I'm working on storytelling a lot more than, yeah, than because uh, improv. Like I'm not associated associated with one theater right now for improv anymore because a lot of them changed guards or closed and. Uh, so storytelling is just something I can handle by myself. So I'm trying to get more involved in the community, doing more shows with risk. And yeah, you, we were at Leslie Goshko show a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, was a great show, by the way. That was um, <laughs> carpe <Yeah>. carpe. <laughs> um, <laughs> follow Rory Scholl to find out what that means. <laughs> uh, we ain't got that kind of time, yeah, but yeah. Uh, just suffice to say, if you, if you hear the story that came from, I think you'll walk away saying "carpe carpe." <laughs> um, I, so, I, how did you first get into? I mean, I went to uh, oh, Peter Guerrero uh, from BTK was in Chicago City Limits, and he was telling me about storytelling. He told me about the Moth, and he said, "If you like stand up, you should come out here. It's a little different; like it's more structured, and the audiences are nice." And uh, so we went out to uh, a Moth show, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is great," and so. The first time I got pulled up, Ophira Eisenberg was hosting. Ah. Yeah. And so Pete and I were both doing the show. Pete got called up first. So if you don't know The Moth, The Moth, they pick 10 people. You got five minutes to tell a story. Um, 
the audience picks a winner and the winner moves on to the Grand Slam, which would do a professional book show. And so Pete gets up there and tells a story and the audience judges him and he gets like a nine on, on a scale of 10. And he sits down next to me and I'm ne- I get called next and he just turns to me and he goes, follow that fuck face. <laughs> And I said, it's always good to do these things with friends. <laughs> I know. He says, follow that fuck face. So I get up, I tell my story and I get a 10 and I win for the night. I was like, okay, <laughs> that was great. I was like, oh, I love the moth. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> this is why you don't celebrate early. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was your first time. That doing was my it, first right? time doing it. I was like, oh, this is great. And the storytelling community is so supportive in New York. It's really, it's really great. Uh, uh, and everybody well, has their own shows, and everybody books everybody. It's I love it. I, I was going to ask because uh, you know, uh, with all the different fields you've navigated, would uh, is that your answer? Is like the it would be the the more supportive of the say as opposed to say stand up or improv or yeah, I think so. Well, the improv community can be supportive, but it's very competitive, and then stand up is a bunch of lone wolves, you know. Um, but the storytelling community, man, they're, they're great. They want to, they want everyone to have a good show cause they're going to book you on their show and everyone's going to, you know, and, and the audiences are really nice. And yeah, I, I, I dig the storytelling community. Well, you, you know, it, it's funny because, um, a couple of things I was thinking about one is that, um, I, I'm starting to hear a little bit more and I'm not, and I'm not, I like to say I, I I don't live in the storytelling world. I visit it regularly. I speak the language. I can get around without an interpreter. Yeah. But it's still a place that I visit, even if I visit it frequently. Yeah. Um. But what I'm kind of hearing is is that there may be some shifts going on in the storytelling community, at least in New York, uh, where where it's starting to to get a little bit more competitive than it had been. And I was wondering if you found that at all. Because I, you know, I'm not connected enough to really know. But it's just interesting to me to hear that because yeah. what I've always heard is much more of the picture you were painting. You know, I still find it to be supportive. I know right now, and again, I'm not associated with any storytelling teachers or like uh, uh, groups that that do that, like put out their own podcasts and teach. Um, I think there's like it's just like anything in the entertainment community now people are trying to be more inclusive and they're and they're not they're booking a bigger variety of of storytellers you know different mm-hmm. ethnicities and genders and you know and and some old school are pushing back on that and it's like eh, i want to be in the old white man show <laughs> you know it's like so i don't know some people are being pushed out and i know there's it's just like any other thing but well you know it's funny one thing that you know for the last you know decade plus um part of the 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 no name plan for world domination had been doing uh you know a, a regular comedy variety shows but also doing some storytelling shows mm-hmm. uh, specifically and uh in the comedy and variety shows uh in recent years I, i've had more storytellers in the mix it's still a stand up dominated show mm-hmm. But um, but what I've always found interesting uh, is that when we have stand-ups and storytellers on the show, uh, some storytellers have taken great umbrage to the fact that a lot of times the comics do their set and then they're gone, whereas the storytellers, 
generally are more inclined to Stick hang out for the whole show. Yeah. And, you know, some people don't get bent out of shape about it, but sometimes the people who do get bent out of shape, I don't, real, I don't think realize that it's, it's not, it's not that the stand-ups are inherently more fucked up or, you know, self-centered or whatever. Uh, you can argue that way if you want to. I, I'm not inclined to. But the, the beast is different. You know, stand-up yeah. in New York, you're trying to hit as many mics on a single night as possible. Yeah, there's a good chance they're going to another gig. Exactly. Whereas storytellers, and and this is something else I've, I've heard has been kind of changing in recent years, but, uh, you know, it tend the tendency is you go to do a show and this is your show for the night. Right. Yeah. As opposed to like, you know, how many can I get in before 5 a.m.? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I, I've had that discussion where people are like, well, all right, but no, still like, I don't like to leave a show. Then, then don't. It's like, it's not a fuck you. It's just like, I got work to do and my work is taking me elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, you can't get you can't get hung up on that. I mean, that's and I I, I was wondering because it, it, it like everybody, my timeline gets fucked up by the pause and and all of that in uh, with COVID, but uh, it definitely the last few years, the first times I ever heard of storytellers saying, okay, I got to run, I'm doing a show elsewhere or whatever, and I was wondering if it, if it was heading into a similar direction, you know. I mean that that'd be a hard way to go to be telling stories at five mics a night, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that I don't think that happens. I think you know, you know. Now with an improv troupe, that's different. Like if you do an improv troupe and then they split, then you're the next troupe. Then you see like six or seven people standing up and walking out. You're like, that's a little just, you know, that's a disheartening to see. But one uh, yeah. stand up slipping out the back, that's not a big deal. Oh man, wait. Now let me ask you this because I, I I'm definitely not immersed in the 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 improv scene for performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you you're usually multiple groups in a single show, unless it's a group that that is uh, got enough of a following to do a standalone, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, is that a, a common thing where you know one one group is done and they had seven people walk out? No, that's what I'm saying. Not really. Like oh, if you, okay. that's your improv set oh, right, for the night. It. Yeah, but if it was like yeah to have a whole troop get up and leave, that's a little different. So, but no, that doesn't happen that often. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like oh man, Cause that that would be like you know fuck I, I didn't go back to stand up. Fuck yeah. this. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I'll just go back to mascot work. I don't care. Well, I, I, no. so I, look, I, it is it, it, we you're one of these people who who I, I just enjoy your work so much because you do 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 um so many different things and especially if if it's just you you if you're coming to be a part of a, a show that's not a storyteller show specifically like really have no clues to what this guy is going to do and I, it's always enjoyable i i'm saying this to not just uh, blow smoke at you but uh to also say for yourself at this particular point is there a particular why i think you hinted at it but would you say there's particular work that's more calling you these days or your interests lying more in one or two directions no i think right now i'm concentrating more on storytelling i am putting that 
that show together about mascot work. I've had enough people to t- t- say like, hey, do this. You need to put this up because I've had jobs I know nobody else has had before. So it's just going to be a bunch of these mascot gigs and a bunch of different jobs. Like I was the lost and found manager for the Waldorf Astoria for six months, which was a great gig. Uh, oh, that, that? That was, <laughs> you know, just a little different. Yeah, that's, that's a, a lost and found gig at any place might be kind of interesting, but I imagine that's not, Every lost and found yeah. place, the Waldorf Astoria. Man. Yeah, we would find some good things. I don't know if I can say this. I was almost, oh, I got fired, but I was almost going to open an eBay store and sell on. Anyway, I'm probably good. I got fired. Oh, I think I've I think heard you it. say yeah, something I told, about. I, I told this, this before. story before. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but we had like they used to do the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there, and the year I was there, uh, the next day, Art Garfunkel called me. And he's like, oh, I left my scarf there. Have you found my scarf? I was like, you're Art Garfunkel. Can, what, is this made of Paul Simon's hair? Like, why do you want this <laughs> scarf so bad? He, he would call every day for like a week. Did you find my scarf? Did you find my scarf? No, I didn't find your scarf. Art Garfunkel, are things that bad? What's happening? Uh, people would leave like, we found a, just a big bag of weed once. Uh, just a huge, and people, someone called about it. Hey, did you find my weed? And security was like, tell him to come in and get it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we got it. Come on. Can we'll, you describe the yeah, weed? We'll You'll need to it. be more specific yeah. than that. I'm smoking it at the time. Is it like more heady or is it like a body high? Let me know, man. Uh, me and our Garfunkel are getting fucked up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I believe there's a connection between the scarf and the weed. <laughs> yeah. I, there's yeah. absolutely got to be a, a connection there. So, all right, well, look, I, I mean, I think we, we've, in our scattershot way, I, th- I think we've kind of covered everything that, that might be worth covering happened, here. But <laughs> my, my question to you is uh, if people want to find you and the work that you're doing, in whether it be the BTK band, uh, the music project coming up under St. Mark's, or your storytelling, where can they go to find you? I mostly just do stuff on Instagram. So it's Rory's Rangers. With a Z, that last S is a Z. That's right, because Z makes it funny. Uh, Rory's Rangers at Instagram or Rory RoryShaw.com. I got a website, but I don't update it very often. I'm sorry, I, I, I have to say, no. I want to watch a Saturday morning kids show called Rory's Rangers. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I, it, no clowns promised. No clowns, yeah. But, oh, man. All right, Jay is for joint, kids. No, uh. Like a little Dora the Explorer. Can you see my weed guy? Is he behind me? He is. <laughs> Can- Hi, Philip. Um, all right. Oh, whoop, not Philip. Do you know? Oh, never mind. Thank you, Philip. Uh, <laughs> that's Philip with a P. And and the real casting cool would be if you could get Pee Wee Herman to play the the, the weed dealer. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm back. Spot on. Note to self, never, ever, ever under any circumstances try to do a Pee Wee Herman impression. <laughs> never end with an impression. Uh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, I, I enjoyed talking with you, man. Thanks for coming to play. Thank you. If you ever need someone to dress up like a bag of chips for your show, <laughs> I would do it. I will come out there. I'll have PR guy Gordon get on it. <laughs> Gordon. <laughs> There's a contract negotiation to watch and not be a part of. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Anyway, thanks a lot, Rory. Thanks, Take buddy. care, man. Thank you.
Man, I know I always say this, and what, what the hell else am I going to say? But it's true. I really enjoyed talking to Rory. He's a very funny guy, and I, I just always enjoy when we were able to get together. So I hope you guys enjoyed hanging out with us. Before we go, a couple of things. First of all, the people who make this happen. Our producer, the one and only Gary Hardcastle. Opening and closing music is written by King of the Hill, Courtney Hill. Additional sound recording and editing by Miles Mixed Appeal Blue Spoos. And a quick tip of the cap to our production assistants, Stanley Resio and Jeremy Pueyo. Thanks, guys. You all help make this thing happen to whatever degree it actually happens. It's entirely because of you guys. What can I tell you? That That's pretty much it. We always like to leave you with some music. Today, we're going to leave you with music from our old friend, Miles Blue Spoos, and his band, the cleverly named Blue Spoos. This cut is called All Alone, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Until next time, take good care of yourself. Come on back. Continue to play with us. Continue to play with yourself. Well, that sounds weird. You know what I mean. I'm saying enjoy life. Thanks for being here. My name is Eric Vetter. I love you all. Search for blunders just to make corrections But 
It seems like 